0: Hello, and Matt Cassell. Hello. It is June 23rd, a nice cool night in the outdoor sauce studio. Listen to that glowing waterfall in the background. So soothing. It's very soothing. I think that's what we need tonight. We came in hot, frustrated. Did we? Now we're going to relax. We're going to chill out. We're going to talk some comics. What are we going to talk about?
1: Some stuff, man. Some stuff that happened in comic books.
0: Audible's failures. We're going to talk about the new episode 8, Star Wars episode 8 director. And we are going to discuss if we could have any single issue comic or any full run or full series of a comic book, which would we pick? But before we get into any of that, we like to do housekeeping with Ian Sharpwinkle.
1: The nice calm sounds of the waterfall, the birds chirping, the pipe smoke in the air—tobacco, folks. Can't promise down. a suburban turkey this time. No, we can't. But, we, but can't. we can hope. Just puts you in a really nice frame of mind. Frame of mind that you can go outside, you take your tablet or your computer outside, you check out the sauce.com. Really puts you in that nice, nice frame of frame of oneness with you. Read the strips, tales of sauce and gif as they travel through the mystical universe that is the apartment. You can read the reviews of the comic books as well as on Wednesday. Your favorite podcast will magically appear on the phone or mobile device. We don't have problems in the iTunes store. Yeah, like providing other. providing iTunes. Uh... I thought you were going to say we don't have problems like Uncle Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Grimace. Yeah, we don't have problems in the iTunes store like Uncle Grimace. Who tried to feature McSauce, but iTunes shut him down. A fireside chat had McSauce on two episodes. iTunes that, said, this is just too much total McSauce content. So they completely shut, shut Ryan McCormick's podcast down. And it's a shame. One day, part two will be up and you can go do the same things that you do for the McSauce comic book podcast. Be patient. Keep looking for it. It'll be there. And when it does arrive, you can go on iTunes and you can rate it, review it, give it five wonderful stars, which you've already done for your your friends here at McSauce, who will be appearing at Pittsburgh Comic Con this fall. In a quick three months. It's coming up, so... I wanted to get it out there so everybody can mark it on their calendar. Make sure that they take off on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September 26th through 28th at the Monroeville Convention Center. All of your
0: I- sauce favorites will be present. Myself, Ian, Image, Matt Cassell, even young Dominic Yossi.
1: All there. You can shake our hands. You can talk to us about anything that you like to talk comic book related or non-comic book related we'll we'll be there to talk to you about blake's eligibility for the hockey hall of fame sure we can do that i know a lot of listeners have been tweeting me and emailing me they said the way that you and matt talk about video games is magical it transports me back to the 90s and the console wars and i want to hear more of that you can hear it in person transports me to a place called To Sleep. So, again, Pittsburgh Comic Con this September 26th through 28th at the Convention Center. sauce will be there to greet you and talk to you about anything that you wish to talk about. Matt, will you be there? I'll be there. One last plug. I'd like to talk about the Moonlit Matinee Film Festival at the Oaks presented by Turner's Premium Iced Tea this weekend 27th and 28th An American Werewolf in London classic 80's film a lot of people talk about how it's the best representation of a werewolf scariest version I've never seen it I've never seen it either, Matt I've seen it I think I've seen bits and pieces
0: of it but it's something that I've wanted to sit down and watch from the beginning, so hasn't happened.
2: Well, you're gonna have your chance this weekend. I will be there, much like I will be at the Pittsburgh Comic Con in September. I will be at the Oaks Theater uh, either this Saturday or Friday night. Haven't decided yet. Kind of towards Saturday, actually. Yeah, I was there last weekend. Went on a Friday night and saw Caddyshack. And I have determined. Now, have either of you guys seen Caddyshack? I have. Paul?
1: Bits and pieces.
2: Ian, you've seen it?
1: Seen it the whole way through.
2: Do you like it? It's okay.
1: It's overrated.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. It is. And I was thinking about this. It gets a ton of accolades as being considered one of the funniest movies ever. That is ridiculous. It got a few chuckles out of me.
0: Do you do you think that it needed to be part of your part of your youth to really appreciate it? Because a lot of people think that Groundhog bullshit with Bill Murray is hilarious, and I hate Bill Murray in that movie, and I hate that Groundhog. That's because Paul
1: nothing, was in his thirties when that there's came. There's nothing out. funny
0: about that to me.
1: Yeah, it's not really all that funny. It's it really pales in comparison to some of the movies of that era. Ghostbusters we were talking about, as well as uh, National Lampoons Vacation. Yeah. Is it Ted McGinley academy? I don't I know top of my head. I
2: don't know who Ted McGinley is. Jefferson Pierce. I still don't know. I don't know who Ted McGinley is. But what I will I know say who Jefferson
0: Pierce is. I do? Jefferson Darcy?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Who's Jefferson Pierce. I don't know. I'm completely... I know who Jefferson Darcy is, and no, he was not in that. He's in Revenge of the Nerds. Now, what I will say is that not only is Caddyshack immensely overrated, off the top of my head, and after I thought about it a little bit this weekend, I believe Caddyshack is the most overrated movie that there is. Wow. False.
0: That title belongs to A Christmas Story. I'm just kidding. Matt, I'm just kidding.
2: Mm. That's a bold statement. Well, for I mean, maybe a, a more overrated movie. One that gets the, the publicity and the accolades that something like Caddyshack gets and yet is just so incredibly mediocre or bad.
0: I probably have a couple answers you won't like for this. Let me have them. Um, Christmas Vacation. I don't like it. Are you serious? No, no you don't I don't like that answer. I
2: don't like that answer. Right.
0: <clears throat> yeah, something about it. I've, I've seen it a ton of times. I've seen it when I was younger. I've seen it in the 20s and 30s. I've seen it since I turned 40. You
2: know, we said before the podcast that Paul just doesn't like to have fun. No, I, I think like we that. might be on to something And that's, here. that's a movie that I just, uh, I mean, it's
0: fine. But it consistently gets ranked as, like, one of the
1: funniest movies of all time. Yeah. And I'm just not... I'm just not so... Animal House is one up there for me that I don't think is as funny as people make it out to be. I don't need to wear the college sweatshirt. I don't need to have that poster in my room. Not all that fun. Do you think it would be funnier if we had that traditional college experience? I don't think so because I still find traditional college movies funny. Not that old school is a traditional college route, but that's still like a frat house comedy I would and Wilder.
0: I would say old school over
1: Christmas Vacation and anyway. Undeclared. And that's why Justin Paul long. was Paul. I thought was pretty funny. Also, yeah, not weird. I guess your traditional college experience because they made up college. But I just don't really find that movie all that funny. I kind of think it's overrated. It's it's interesting. I don't know if it's because we're talking about a comedy that we're ranking all these movies. You know, we're bringing up our own overrated movies uh, that they all happen to be comedies. I think we've talked about Scarface in the past. Is kind of overrated. I've never seen Scarface. No,
2: I haven't seen a lot of those mob movies. I've only seen The Godfather. I saw Godfather about three times. Never saw the sequel or the third one. Uh, I've never seen Goodfellas. I've never seen Scarface, so yeah. I'm just not into mob movies. Yeah. I saw the first season of The Sopranos.
1: Yeah.
2: Boy, was that overrated.
1: I enjoyed it, but I do like mob movies. I've seen all the ones that you just brought up and stuff like Heat is really good. He's
0: cool.
2: Is Heat a mob movie or more of like just kind of a crime drama?
1: maybe it's just a crime drama um I always think of it as a mob movie just because maybe who's in it you know De Niro's in it Pacino but aren't they mobsters in that movie I can't remember off the top of my head no De Niro
2: is a I wouldn't say he's a mobster he's a professional criminal though and Pacino is a cop who's basically trying to figure out who De Niro is and and catch him I always lump that
1: in there with other mob movies for some reason. I'm not sure why I do it. But Casino is another mob movie that I really enjoyed.
2: Was uh, Joe Pesci in Casino as well?
1: Yes. Sharon Stone, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro. Okay. It's not a mob movie, but a serious know.
0: I guess, kind of crime drama that I didn't expect to like, which I really did, was The Departed.
1: That's a mob movie. It's just an Irish
2: mob
0: movie. I like I The so.
2: Departed. It's good. I
0: enjoyed it. I enjoyed it.
2: I felt bad for um, Martin Sheen there at the end.
1: So... American Werewolf in London.
2: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, That's listeners, weird. give us your thoughts. What are some of the most overrated movies of all time? Movies that seem to be unanimously loved and adored by like everybody, but yet when you see them, you just kind of don't get it.
1: Yeah. Send us your feedback. Facebook, Twitter, in person, text message, all accepted.
0: So Matt, <clears throat> you've been dealing with. Uh
1: somewhat of an underrated
0: company or overrated company lately. Yeah. You have uh, a little grape to file with Audible.
2: Audible.com an Amazon
0: company of course. Amazon making all kinds of friends I'll tell last you few what months.
2: up until the last few months I have always been a supporter of Amazon. I've always appreciated what they did and and just thought that they were an all-around good company. But it seems to me that that greed has taken over, as it does with most successful companies. And eventually what follows greed is a fall from grace until the company realizes, oh, we made some mistakes. I believe Amazon is in the midst of that right now, and it's starting with some of its more fringe, you know, sub- subsidiary-type Companies, whatever sister companies, I'm not really sure what you would call it, but everything from the way that they've handled the debacle that is comiXology, and now Audible. Audible has, I went, I logged into my Audible account. I have a gold account, which means they automatically deduct money from your credit card, and in turn, they give you one credit on their website, which is good for one audiobook a month.
1: And audiobooks range from your $5 variety all the way up to the great console wars, which was $31 or something like that. So I waited until I got my credit, it on console wars. A great buy. I can't get enough of hearing about it.
2: Like you, Ian, I also wait. And I have allowed my credits to accumulate. And I don't mean to rhyme, but that's just kind of the way it's working out there. That's just how you flow. Yeah. So I had nine credits that I had accumulated over nine months. And I logged in because I was like, man, I could really, you know, because we talked about the, the console war book and I'm reading, uh, as we talked about in our summer reading episode, I'm reading Joyland by Stephen King. And I thought when I'm in the car, I might want to keep the story going. So I decided that might be worthy of a purchase So I logged in, and I saw that I only had six credits. And then under it, there was a little message that said, uh, make sure you use one of your credits by July 3rd because you can only carry six credits at a time. It's a new policy
1: that Audible
2: has implemented. Before, you could have an unlimited amount of credits. Now, the breakdown is this. If you're a gold member, you can carry up to six credits. Uh... Because they don't roll over anymore. Um, well, they do until you hit six. Uh, and if you don't use them, you lose them. If you are a Platinum member, you can carry up to, I think it's nine credits. And the way the difference is, with a Gold member, it's like 15 bucks a month. And you get one credit a month. With a Platinum, you get, I think it's like 22 or $21 a month. And you get two credits a month. So for about 50% more, you can get one extra book. So you get two books a month. But for me personally, I can't. I don't think I can go through two books a month, so it doesn't make any sense. Now, as a matter of fact, based on...
1: I didn't know it because I'm also a gold member. But as soon as I get those credits, I, I count it down. I listen to audiobooks pretty regularly. I count it down when the new month hits. I see that one credit. I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to go get. Go out and buy it. So they never go past one month for me.
2: Yeah. Well, clearly, I can't even keep up with one book a month. So, given my nine credit accumulation,
0: is Audible a buying service or a rental service, or can you do both?
2: You can buy. I mean, you're it, buying. It's a it's the a, a buying
0: service. But it's not a case where you're like, all right, I'm going to get console wars, but you only get like so much time to read it. No, you have it's not like a library. You own it. You
2: can download it to your iTunes account. Yeah, you go right to the website and you download it like a regular MP3, and then you can import it to your iTunes library, or you can get the app. I believe there's a desktop app, and there's certainly a mobile app that allows you to stream through your cellular network, and you can just listen to it like that, which is what I've been doing, because I did go ahead and get Joyland. So I was quite displeased with this new... Six-credit policy, so on Saturday, I decided to give our dear friends at Audible a call. Now, I will... Oh, you called them. I called them.
0: Business time.
2: And and what I do appreciate is that they were operating 24-7, so you can call them whenever. So, I called it two in the afternoon on Saturday. And I said, hi, Audible. Um, I see that I'm missing some credits. Um... Can I please get those back? I paid for them. I'd like to use them. And they said, absolutely. We can reinstate those. But just please make sure you you do get your credits down to... You're going to want to get down to five, really, by the time July 2nd hits. So that way, when July 3rd hits, and you can only have six, you don't lose any that way. So basically, i got to use four credits, or else the military... Come and get you. it is, Audible's helicopter. Yeah. It's the Yeah. <laughs> they are taking over the world, aren't they? So they were, they were nice enough to reinstate my credits, and they, they understood kind of my frustration, and I, I told, I believe his name was Nathan, on the phone. I said, Nathan, I realize you're probably not the guy to tell this to, because but...
0: You're an asshole.
2: I said, this does not seem like a very customer-friendly policy. Um, And you could hear Nathan roll his eyes, mute, and say, this motherfucker. (laughs) Got
1: one over here, guys.
2: Yeah, well, it's a dumb fucking policy that is not very friendly to its customers. And all it's going to take is for some company to realize, oh, Amazon's not doing right by their customers. We can do better than that. And they will. And then Amazon's going to have to catch up. Just like every other money grubbing, greedy asshole company is. Not to go back to video games, Paul, but I'm going to. Look at look Let's at it. look at where all the the king of the consoles end up. At first you have Nintendo, where's Nintendo now, Ian?
1: They lost about $490 million last year. Right.
2: You they had too much too fast. You had
1: they released a real shitty. You console. had
2: Sony, who was king of the world with PlayStation 2. What did they do with PlayStation 3? They got greedy. And what happened? Microsoft came in and beat them in the console wars. Then, when Microsoft beat Sony in the console wars, they get greedy. Now what's happening? Now they're losing. I don't understand. These companies, they're doing something right to get the market share, to get the customers, to get the the loyalty, and yet they piss it away every single time. Why is it difficult to try to maintain that customer loyalty. Paul, I'd really like an explanation.
0: It's not about the customer. It's about the customer up until you're successful. And then after that, it's not about the customer. Right, anymore. but then then it's about what can we get away
2: with? Right, but then they never get away with it because they all fall because there's so much competition out there in the world. Somebody's going to rise up and say, "Well, we can make people happier than than audible is or the sony is or whatever and next thing you know there's a new king of that particular thing right
1: <clears throat> i guess for, i mean companies just feel like they're untouchable i and guess that they can do no wrong and everything that they come out with is gold and yeah. and for a while the customers follow it and they follow it to a fault yeah so yeah, Audible, that's that's no good. Um, I still like the product that they deliver and I like the the service, you know, the membership that you, you get these credits, you also well, say this particular issue with I it. haven't because I, I didn't even notice it until Matt brought it up because I spend my credits pretty quickly. It's a new
2: thing though. Yeah. This is this is a new implementation. Yeah, and I mean I, I understand, I agree. And there with was you. no warning that I know of. I don't yeah. remember ever getting an email or Any kind of notification saying, hey, you might want to use these credits because they're about to go away. What if I didn't even know? What if, like, I completely forgot that I had spent money and I didn't realize it and I go into my Audible account? They were just going to basically steal those. Mm -hmm. They were going to steal – that would have been three credits, 15 bucks a piece. That's $45. They were just going to be like, yep, that's ours now. That's really shitty. So I'm I'm at the point now where once I do spend these credits – I'm pretty sure I'm going to cancel the account Yeah, because you, you have to spend them or you will lose. Like you can't cancel your account and then redeem your credits. They all have to be spent before you cancel the account. My problem is I just I don't know what to get. You know, there's so many options and possibilities. I, I just don't know where to spend it because I, I think I've brought this up before. I am horrible at making decisions. I, I'm so indecisive. Anything from what do I want from for dinner to what should I wear today, or to, you know what color underwear should I buy?
1: It's a really tough decision to make. It, don't
2: I lead a hard life? Like I, it, well, if you need help with your audible
1: selection making, I have a whole host of different things you could get. Stephen King's. Dark Tower series, which you said that you were going to try to get into. I say spend all those credits on that. That's what I would do. I think Paul would support that because he's been a long time Dark Tower fan. True. Though
0: I kind of don't want Matt to read Preacher because I'm afraid he's going to hate it.
1: Well, he doesn't have to read Preacher. He can just listen to Dark Tower.
0: Fine, with that, get Dark Tower. Good stuff. I
2: don't know if I'd like Dark Tower.
0: Just going to struggle through that first book, and then it all pays off. Yeah, up, like but that. it's a
2: long first book. It's, no, it's the a first commitment. the
1: first book's the shortest
2: one, isn't it? Like seventeen hours on Audible. Yeah, yeah the but seventeen all the hours are like thirty five hours. The
1: seventeen hours go really quickly.
2: I can't imagine seventeen hours ever going quickly. No,
1: I finished up. Like, console it's... Console Wars is twenty plus hours. I've since finished that book when we talk about summer reading, so But Ian does nothing
0: but listen to podcasts and audiobooks. That's true. No music for this guy.
1: He has abandoned music. I have, except I've been listening to Soul Asylum since we went to go <clears throat> see them on Friday. Ian
0: on a nice summer day when Ian winds the windows down, cranks the top back, he's getting ready to hit the open road, he's like
1: podcast. It's true. It's good good driving listening. Fills your mind with a lot of good ideas. That's what I like. Keep good keep ideas. that keep that brain churning along. Mm-hmm. Open and expand
0: the horizons. Sometimes I am just not ready for an audiobook or a podcast. I need
1: some jams.
2: Yeah, I know, know what you mean man. The same way. Mm-hmm. I get
1: really upset whenever my podcast. Like, I'm in the position now where I'm done reading my or listening to my last book. I don't have anything really in the queue, so I'm just going through my podcasts that I regularly listen listen to, and I don't have anything. I listen to all the stuff that I normally do. They've recently decommissioned Ryan McCormick's Fireside Chat. I listen to More Than You Can Chew. I listen to our show, Joe Rogan,
2: Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, Jeez, all that good Christ. shit. Screen what, Rant. How
1: boring is that one? That one's great.
2: Oh, you know what? While I'm thinking of it, because I know I'll forget, but for the listeners, send in your um, suggestions on who you would like McSauce to interview in a future episode, and we will try very, very hard to to land that interview. And, or if
1: you yourself want to be interviewed, bring your ass in here, we'll interview you. Just know something about comic books or movies, TV, you know, the shit we talk about. But get in contact with us, we'll... Have some, some we, we have a few ideas that,
2: that we're in the process of reaching out to and uh, if you guys have anybody you'd like to hear, we can certainly entertain that and, and reach out and see what they say.
0: No not a whole lot of harm or risk in reaching out.
2: hey okay, as I, as I showed on the, our last episode, it can pay off. True. Now that's another thing. Ian, have you now that you heard the the Ripper story, Have you gone and listened to the album?
1: As intrigued as I was and wanting to support my good friend Matt and his freelance ventures, I haven't downloaded it yet.
2: Well, you don't have to download it. Well, yeah, you know what? You really should. I should.
1: I haven't done it yet.
2: I don't think it comes with a digital booklet, though, which kind of sucks. That does suck. So.
1: You'll have to send me over the artwork that you did.
2: I can send you a, a PDF with everything, yeah. Which is all a digital booklet is. Mm-hmm. You would think that there would be like some kind of nicer format for digital audio books than a, just a PDF file. could not you have like a
1: self-contained like flash animation kind of thing? That's or what I was like thinking, that? yeah.
2: Why don't they do that? That's what
1: um, Jimmy at World's Damage had. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that.
0: They're out there sometimes. But it's like, it's like a crapshoot. Some albums have something, some don't like some have just like the shittiest PDF possible, and being being designers like that's always I know there's like the record guys, the vinyl guys with the big artwork and everything, but even growing up in our generation with cassettes and CDs, like the artwork and the liner notes, yeah, I always looked forward to that. I was always pissed when I didn't get lyrics or
1: anything inside, and now that's all gone. Yeah, I would read my CD covers like I'd look at the artwork so much that I'd be tired of looking at the regular artwork and I'd fold it in half or put like the reverse side. So it was like a new alternate CD because (laughs) I had different artwork on the front. It was like the the alternative version of the artwork. Whatever gets it done for you, buddy. I
2: can honestly say...
0: That's the first time I've ever heard Really? Nobody that. did that? Folding
2: it. I mean, yeah, maybe I mean, turning it around like the, is yeah, one like thing. thing, but folding it? Yeah, I mean, turning around or like... No, folding free, it and turning it, it in a around. Different,
1: you know how it would come out and you could fold it a different way back
2: in? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know if, right, if it I wasn't mean, a, if like it's a book, stitch booklet. If it's, if it's, okay, yeah, yeah, I
1: got you. it's a folded
2: piece. I thought you were folding the No, I'm not totally fucking crazy. Just a little bit.
0: Are you guys familiar with the artwork for Appetite for Destruction? Yes, yes. The cross with the skulls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I bought that, that wasn't the cover artwork. The cover artwork was that inside painting of, like, this the big metal monster coming over the fence, and there was that strung-out hooker laying on the ground. I don't know that. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. It was super weird, but that's one I flipped over because it wasn't the right cover. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, shrink-wrapped, everything, but it didn't have the proper cover on it. That's I would... Great album, classic. I don't own it. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't. I expect that from Matt. Yeah, I don't own it. So why don't we take a step into Segway? Perfectly.
2: A long time ago,
0: with Matt Cassell. Do you have some Star Wars news for us? I do 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 do
2: that <laughs> uh, uh, so I kind of thought that it was a, a foregone conclusion that JJ Abrams was gonna direct episodes eight and nine of the upcoming trilogy because as as I think we most of us know Star Wars now in the stewardship well ownership really of of uh, Disney was gonna do a whole new trilogy plus, in between every trilogy episode, a spin-off film. Um, and I, I know that J.J. Abrams wasn't officially signed on to direct 8 and 9, but I thought it was just a matter of time before it became official. I, I thought that that would happen post-Episode 7 release. But as it turns out, they have already hired a different director to do Episode 8. Um, and it's as official as this director's spokesperson has already come out and said, yeah, he's directing episode eight. And he was uh, hired to at least co write the script for episode nine, which will be the final Star Wars film.
1: Maybe. Um, yeah, I think of, that they're going to do another trilogy after
2: that. Do you like, think I'm they'll do it up and... You think they'll go to 12 like George oh, Lucas? Yeah. That was George Lucas's original original plan. 12 episodes. I think it's likely that they'll get there, but it'll probably be I think we might see another 10 year gap in between this trilogy that we're getting now and the next one. So we'll be sadly maybe like 50 years old by the time the second trilogy comes to fruition.
1: I think that they will keep pumping out Star Wars movies, especially now that it's out of
2: George Lucas's hands. Well, yeah, but are they going to make just Star Wars movies, or are we talking the actual saga? Or is it just, after these three, are we just going to get, like, spin-off that really have nothing to do with it? Or do you feel like they're going to continue this, I don't know, Skywalker legacy that kind of has been established in the first two trilogies, which I assume, based on, you know, at least Mark Hamill being back, is gonna carry over into this trilogy. I'm sure the plan is to make the characters, the younger characters in this film,
1: central enough to the story that they can logically take it into another trilogy where fans will care about those characters yeah. just as much as we care
2: about well, the original cast. I'd agree with that. I would say that will probably happen by episode 8, actually. I don't see the old-timers kind of running the show all the way through. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think reality needs to set in. you know, you got Harrison Ford with his broken hip. He's just not the action hero that he used to be. As much as we all can't wait to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, the guy's still overweight, you know, and that's just not what we, and old, that's not what we expect with our action heroes. We don't need them to be teeny boppers, but we also want, like, some kind of, I don't know, energy that maybe somebody in an advanced age can't provide. Anyway, but we're not talking about that, we're talking about the new director... I know you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh my god, who's this new director? Is it Steven Spielberg? Is it Francis Ford Coppola? Is it is it Brad Bird? Is it John Favreau? No, it's not. Matt, who is it? Who is it? It's Ryan Johnson, of course. Ryan
1: Johnson. I Ryan should Johnson have known it Johnson. the
2: whole time. Of Looper fame, his his biggest claim to fame is a thirty million dollar budget. Uh, I guess action adventure movie with Bruce Willis and the guy that really wasn't Robin.
0: So are we okay giving the keys to, like if you give this guy one of the spinoffs or whatever, I right. don't really give a shit. But I mean, you're giving him essentially the most important installment of a trilogy based on one movie.
1: Isn't that the new way that Hollywood's kind of going? I mean, you, you include those spinoffs, and they have the director of Godzilla, who pretty much only handled one really big blockbuster movie, now included into the Star Wars universe. You have the guy who did Chronicle um, get the Fantastic Four job, only based off of uh, you know found footage small-budget film. It seems like Hollywood is in a mode of promoting these smaller directors and moving into a new age where these are going to be the big guys. We're in that transitional period right now. Or is it the
0: larger company, Disney, saying, we will have more control over these guys than we would a John Favreau?
1: That also could be it.
2: I believe Disney will have ultimate control no matter who the director is, really. Um, even J.J. Abrams, I think, is going to have to succumb to a degree what Disney wishes or what Kathleen Kennedy wants as the president of Lucasfilm. Um, I, I don't. I think it's a, a strange and um, unexpected move because, like I said, I really thought J.J. Abrams was going to do this trilogy, which I was more than happy with. Um, you know, the only precedent that I, that gives me some sense of solace with this is that, who the hell was Irvin Kirshner before The Empire Strikes Back? But Irvin Kirshner, even though he didn't create the characters, I think got the characters on a level that even George Lucas didn't comprehend. And... I don't think Richard Marquand did either, who directed The Return of the Jedi. I feel like, you know, given given that kind of unproven uh, track record and coming in into a second installment can can lead to, like, great success because the precedent's been set, but I just... I still can't help but be nervous about it, you know? I agree,
0: and I, I feel like maybe I shouldn't be disappointed because we haven't even seen JJ Abrams episode 7 yet but I'm kind of bummed that he's not doing the rest like I've I've seen his work I've seen his catalog enough of it to know what he's capable capable of what he can do and now he's just going to come in for one set the table and then he's out that's what it sounds Isn't that
1: like what he does though you know even with his TV properties he's kind of like an idea guy where he comes along and he's like this is a good idea we'll put all these people on this island Go. And he well, kind of sets it up, like you said, sets the table, and then kind of leaves it for other people to kind of finish it up.
2: I would have thought that J.J. J. Abrams. great well, Oh. I would have thought that J.J. J. Abrams would have wanted this trilogy as his kind of opus. That this was going to be his greatest mark as a filmmaker. Um, you know, and, and now it looks like, as it turns out, he'll have done more Star Trek movies than Star Wars movies. And as cool as those two Star Treks were, I feel like we've already forgotten the great things he did with Star Trek because now he's the Star Wars guy. But just one and done, maybe he'll come back for Episode Nine. I don't know if it's a production thing too because these movies are spaced only two years apart as opposed to um, three years apart like they were done in the in the, old, the the first two trilogies. So I don't know if like pre-production is already going on during post-production and one director can't do both.
1: Yeah, Disney's kind of a machine whenever it comes to that kind of stuff. They have a, a schedule that I think that they're going to really adhere to and maybe it just doesn't... Maybe it wasn't J.J. J. Abrams' choice to not be involved in this property. Maybe they, as we've been talking about how creatively... Disney's going to have a hand in all this stuff. Maybe production-wise they just said, hey, you're going to have to sit this one out.
2: Maybe, maybe. And, and, and who knows? Like, maybe he didn't want to. But I think that this was a choice. First and foremost, my gut tells me that J.J. Abrams said, I don't want to do more than one. Uh, that leads to his trepidation with originally signing on in the first place he didn't want to do it um he had to be convinced in person by Kathleen Kennedy to change his mind uh i think even Steven Spielberg kind of urged him you're probably going to want to do this um i know that moving to england while doing this filming and moving his family out there was something he didn't really want to do so i think he's much more at home in california and maybe he just didn't want to make that kind of commitment far away from home for that long, you know? Um, and and given his initial kind of reluctance in the first place, that kind of makes sense now. But, you know, I say suck it up, J.J. Abrams. It's fucking Star Wars, you know? Like, yeah. go to work, do it. Your family will be there when you come back. Will they? I don't know, man. I'd, I'd wait for him. If I was J.J. Abrams' son, I'd be like, I'll wait for you, Dad, so that way I, you can come back and I'll be like, yeah, my dad made Star Wars. Not just one. He did a whole trilogy. Also, get some of
0: that Star Wars cash. Yeah, right.
1: So, ching. hmm
2: But anyway, as it turns out, we're going to have Ryan Johnson instead. So, hopefully he can live up to, uh, I think, some pretty lofty standards. I think we would agree, at least the, the original trilogy... Was um, was quite well done, and uh, I think that so far all indications are that episode seven is going to be pretty damn good too. It is funny that we're
1: kind of judging him against like not just the works that we've seen, but the hype of J.J. Abrams and and what he could possibly bring. And he's go like Ryan Johnson's being judged against the unknown, which I think is a little unfair. It is unfair, but we'll see how things turn out. Super early, but I'm really excited to see this new Star Wars. At this point, I think that the momentum is building with all the different, you know, the the casting, the news of the, the projects that are in line. I think that um, it, things are looking positive for the Star Wars universe, more positive than they've looked in a while, or at least productive. I think productive so too. Is a good word.
2: I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week. Or maybe it was late last week because we're, we're early in the week right now. But um, I was thinking, are we more excited for Episode 7 than Episode 1? No, not even we close. We can't. Yeah, we but, can be. You know why? Because a lot of us have a very sour taste in our mouth from the last three that did not exist after Return of the Jedi going into Episode 1. So there was nothing but wide-eyed optimism and excitement for episode one, whereas now we are excited again, and, and a lot of it has to do with the commitment to kind of recapturing the energy and the fun from the original trilogy to George Lucas's disinvolvement with this, or uninvolvement if you want to use proper English.
1: Nobody likes that.
2: Um, but, so w- we're... We're probably just as excited, but yet there's that like that feeling like this could be a disaster. It's I, a
1: cautious excitement. I, I was never more excited than whenever they announced that they were going to make new Star Wars movies, Phantom Menace, and that the prequel tre- trilogy. The prequel trequel was what I was going to say. <laughs> Prequel,
0: trequel. <laughs> prequel, prequel, prequel. Wow, why? would you say that? I don't know. <laughs> what does that
2: even mean? It doesn't mean anything. It means I couldn't talk. You know what it means? We got a title for this yeah. week's episode: prequel,
1: prequel. When they were talking about the prequel trilogy, I <laughs> couldn't have been more fired up because there was the thought after Jedi that it was done. Star Wars was finished. That was a part of your childhood, and you were—they were never going to make more movies. That's how I felt for the longest time. They screwed around with Ewok TV specials and the droids cartoon. And you could see some stuff here and there. But you never were going to have another movie to really hang your hat on. And then it was announced that we were going to see the characters that we loved in ways that we've never imagined them before. And this announcement, I kind of think that, that we all thought, there's a chance. If it happened once before, there's a chance that they'll make more Star Wars movies. And it wasn't really, like, a solid hope. It wasn't something that you really thought was definitely 100% going to happen. But I thought back in the 80s and early 90s, we're never going to see Star Wars again. It's these three movies, and and we're done.
2: I, I don't think I agree with that. I totally hear what you're saying, and I accept it. But for me, I actually was less... I was more sure that there would be no 789 more than a 123. Really? Yeah. I thought at some point,
1: I thought we might even see
2: a retelling of
1: the original trilogy. I thought at some point, maybe after Lucas passed away or passed the rights on, somebody in my lifetime was going to make another Star Wars movie. It might not have been a continuation of
2: the story, but we're going to see more Star Wars movies at some point. And I certainly didn't think that we would ever see Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford or Carrie Fisher reprising those roles. And who knows if we will see Harrison Ford, because I understand that his leg was amputated uh, after the Millennium Falcon tried to rip it off. I Um, saw
1: pictures on Instagram of that.
2: Supposedly he is wheelchair-bound... And he is coming back to the United States for rehab. Really? Yeah. What and did he do to his
1: leg? I don't really know.
2: Broken. Okay. It's broken. Um, it's casted from, like, the knee down. Uh, I saw a picture of him from behind. Um,
1: How does ass look?
2: Well, he was sitting in a wheelchair. Um, it, it doesn't look good. However, Lucasfilm did say that they are not altering... Um, like, the production's gonna be altered, but the release date will not change. It's coming out when it's coming out. Now, I don't know if this is gonna significantly change the story. It's gonna have a lot less Han Solo. I don't know.
1: Why would you say that?
2: Well, because if... They're not gonna slow down... I mean, they're gonna they alter easily production. easily
1: film his head, CG it on a young body, and go Captain America style.
2: I suppose they could, but... You know, that that kind of goes against what they, like, made such a, a strong point to tell us. We are not going to be all about CGI in here. By all accounts, Han Solo is the main character of Episode 7. Your main character is going to be CGI.
1: He's going to be spending a lot of time in the cockpit of the Falcon.
2: Just sitting. He, yeah, A, a lot, lot of, of flying. A lot of sitting around. I don't do we think, want
0: him running around at 70-whatever years old? I don't know. I think I the guy
2: think can did. still move okay. I mean, I don't think he's going to go running down the Death Star corridor like a lunatic after a bunch of stormtroopers, um, which I still love that scene. Although I feel like if something like that had been in the prequels, all the haters would have been like, that was ridiculous. I hated that. As haters do. I really do feel that way.
0: He's gonna
2: hate. Anyway, Ryan Johnson, episode episode eight director. Who knows who's gonna direct episode nine? Maybe J.J. will come back. Maybe George Lucas will come back. Who knows? It's true. We don't know. A lot of people say f- maybe finally they should give it to Steven Spielberg. That would be pretty cool.
1: I'd be in.
0: <sighs> so, Star Wars. More giant questions they give us an answer, more questions.
2: Yeah. It's like Lost.
0: George Abrams. So, gentlemen, why do talk comics?
1: Okay. Sure. Sounds good.
0: While listening to New Dimension Comics podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, our good buddies at New Dimension Comics asked the question... If you had unlimited funds and unlimited storage, what single issue comic book would you buy? And what run slash series would you buy? And I thought it was an interesting question because I had never given that thought before.
1: Yeah. Me neither. It is a really good question. Um, Single issues... That's a difficult one for me, because I consider myself more of a fan... Trade
2: paperback guy.
1: <laughs> as a, uh, comiXology guy. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a fan of comic books. I'm not, like, a collector. I know I collect comic books. I know that's what I do.
2: But do you bag and board your books, Ian? I do bag and board my books. Do but you alphabetize them?
1: I do. I even have them scanned in. Now, it's not up to date, but I have software, scan them Uh, into a program, if I go in there, now, it's not up to date, so basically the list is crap, but I do have the majority of my catalog scanned in, searchable on my computer.
2: Do you have any idea how many comic books you might have? At one point uh, it's,
1: it's in the thousands, I know that much, it's actually lower than Somebody who's been collecting comic books since the early '90s should have. Because well, you took a big break, I took a big break, and, uh, and then I mean, I've transitioned a lot to paperbacks, as you guys kind of mm-hmm. joked about, and as well as the uh, digital format. I mean, I buy a whole lot of comic books on Comicsology, and I also have a Marvel Unlimited account, which that's true is really now,
2: cool. Are you scared at all about the f- like if Comicsology does crash and burn or yeah. something at some point? Are you nervous that all the those dollars that you spent are going to go away? It's a little bit of a concern. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, it is um, for
1: me, too. I'm more comfortable with my Marvel Unlimited account, which gives you unlimited access to almost the entirety of Marvel's catalog, um, but it's not really like, you know, I spent a certain amount of money at Christmas, split it with Dom to get two accounts, and... Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't really feel ownership to it. I feel like I'm being let into a comic book store whenever I want, and I can read their stuff. So it's not like an ownership kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of like. Oh, it's 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 this book, and this book cost this much money. It's Spawn number one, and it cost you know it's it's worth hundred bucks or whatever Spawn number one's worth right now. I don't have that kind of like mentality anymore in the early 90s buy wizard magazine all the time look up what i own and what it's worth and all that shit um so that was a different time though and and you would go into comic book stores and famously comic book stores would have the wall yeah with all the bagged issues and i remember looking at those and being like oh when i save up my allowance i'm gonna get the whole run of todd McFarlane's amazing spider-man or I'm going to get this Eric Larson book. Or I'm going to get Cyberforce number one. Or whatever the heck. Why would you get Cyberforce number one? Ever. <laughs> Mark Silvestri, good artist. Really good artist. Um, great digital coloring back then as well. But I digress. I don't feel that way anymore. So, well, single issue is kind don't, of a I
2: don't think you're me. unique in that way. That you don't feel that way anymore. I mean, comic book stores aren't really like that. That much anymore. Where you go and you see the Wall of Fame and all the super high-priced issues. And it it just, that that speculator kind of, like, collector mentality isn't very prevalent anymore. Like, go to a comic book convention, compare it to what it was like 10 years ago, if you went to a, a convention, how many dealers there were. Now when you go, it's it, there's just a handful of dealers, and then the rest are all kind of like people selling artwork, or they're... Books or... Lots like, of t-shirt stands, see, lots yeah, of statues. All kinds of more, co- like, collectibles that aren't books. Like, all the kind of peripheral things that go along with, com- with comics but aren't comics.
1: I think that's the biggest difference with the popularity of comic books. Like, comic book properties have taken off, but comic books themselves, and the actual physical books, and the stories within, those really haven't gone... Uh, haven't moved a, a, a great
2: deal. Well, they kind of have, if you think about it, because I think the re- part of the reason why the individual issues used to be much more sought after than they are now is that was the only way to get the story.
1: But, but is they, that
2: what you were buying them for? Or were you buying it
1: because it was Todd McFarlane's first well, issue or Scott Williams? It inked was. This it was. It ever. was
2: certainly that, but. If you did want to read it that was the only way to get it and you want that whole complete story we're all I think to a degree somewhat like OCD completists like you know Paul I know that you need all the BPRDs like if I if I took volume six out of your collection like that would drive you crazy I would be lost right I
0: would be unable to function until it was back in my in
2: my hands right and and so they didn't collect nearly the shit that they do today in trade paperbacks. Like, comic book arcs are written as six-issue arcs anymore just because, oh, that just so happens to fit neatly into a trade paperback that they can, you know, repackage and resell at Barnes & Noble in, in half like a year. You don't like that.
1: I'm, I can tell from
2: your voice. The the six-issue six arc. Are uh, yeah, I really don't. You know, I, I mean... Whatever happened to a two-issue arc? You know, like a cool intro, cliffhanger, and then, you know, the finale in the next issue. Uh, Standalone issues. That's just, they're they're rare, you know? What
0: what Batman book came out of one year later that Paul Dini was writing? Was it straight-up Batman? Paul Dini was writing Detective. It it was Detective Comics. And the bulk of that run that he did was
1: black-and-white covers. Is that yeah, what the Simeon Beyond yeah.
0: covers the bulk of that run was one shots.
1: Simeon Bakalov, you
0: mean? Yes, Simeon <laughs> Bakala. The bulk of that run was was one offs, you know, one issue stories. And yeah, it was it was really cool going into that because it really doesn't happen very much. I mean, everything's everything's tied into something else. Like I've really been enjoying Nova right now, but I mean, I I feel like I get two, maybe three issues, and then we're into the big Marvel event. And then, you know, the story, and this latest issue it, uh, Jerry Dugan, the writer, he made it fit really well, but at the same time, like, I I went into the shop, Tom gives me the books, I pick up Nova, and I'm like, Original Sin, I'm not getting this. That shouldn't be on the list. And then I go back and look at the shelf, and I'm like, oh, I need Nova 18. And that's what it was, but
1: it had the big original Sin yeah. banner on the top, the original so you automatically Sin are trade like, dress Ugh. on it
0: was so prominent that I didn't even recognize that it was Nova eighteen.
1: So, well, um, that's more of an event problem than just your standard six issue you're writing for the trade problem, I which is mean, its own problem itself it that into, I don't
0: like. It ties into the whole problem that, you know, just the greater problem that you're the shit's getting shit's getting broken up, and you're not just. Nothing. nothing's ever coming off incredibly smooth. You yeah. uh,
1: know? Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it, it's less creator-driven and story-driven and more of the marketing push that is, that's the reason why all that's happening. And that's not a good thing, and I don't like that either. I don't mind the six-issue writing for the trade because I still think that you can fit a really quality story into that, many issues, and you can write for the trade. But that, it's that's, still okay.
2: I agree, yeah. Because you can
1: connect those stories. Like no, A you lot can. of the Baker, like, Captain America stuff, it's all written for trade, but it all connects together.
2: No, you're, I totally agree with you in that sense. I like to but, hear that. But what, you kind of, like, contradicted yourself when you're like, it's kind of like the marketing behind, like, having the events. I believe that it's also kind of the marketing around make sure that you write these, that so that way they do fit as like a six issue kind of trade paperback size chunk. I agree with
1: that. It's like a subtle, not over the top you know, banner on the front, but right. it's like, yeah this is part of this story that eventually you'll buy yeah. in paperback. As
2: far as, as, far as kind of the, the way that they advertise on the front cover of these books for these events like, think about when they first started doing it. I always go back to the Infinity Gauntlet and if there was ever a, a tie in It was just a tiny little snipe in the corner that said an Infinity Gauntlet crossover. Is is that what it was? A crossover? An Infinity Gauntlet... I think it was a
1: crossover. Is
2: that the word they used? But anyway, it was just a little snipe. And that was it. It wasn't all intrusive, but you still knew it was there. And, God, I I missed that shit.
1: Yeah, the X-Books, I think their first... The X-Over was um, Extinction Agenda. And all it was was... You know, just some type at the very top, right above the, the logo. Yeah. It wasn't all that intrusive, it wasn't a crazy, you know, third of the cover.
2: Well the Superman books right now are, are kinda of doing it that way with the, the doomsday event. And it's just a, a small bar across the top, which isn't all that intrusive. Yeah,
0: there's there's the more intrusive events like um Inf- Infinity. From earlier this year, and Original Sin, where Marvel's just this is—you're not even going to recognize this book. This is part of this crossover. But then there's stuff like Doom that are just Superman books. Yeah, Uh, the War of the Green Lanterns was just the Green Lantern books.
2: The worst offender, though, the Civil War books. Yeah, they literally took half of the cover and just left it white. And then it said like a civil war, whatever crossover, crossover again crossover, was, yeah. and just half of the page. I don't know. That's yeah. that's rough.
1: So those are all things that we dislike about yeah comic books and the things that we wouldn't really chase after or try to collect. But that's not what we're talking about. We want to talk about single issues or the entire series that we would collect if we had when we. Hit the lottery. Now, are we I talking
2: about, like, you snap your fingers and say, I want the first appearance of Batman. I want detective number 27. And somebody's like, oh, here you go. And they give it to you in a great plastic sleeve. Or are we saying somebody gives you a million dollars or something. No, now it's ta- up to you to go and collect.
1: This is what we're talking about. We just dug up in Paul's backyard a genie's lamp. And the genie comes out, rub the lamp, and we're like, oh, great, we get three wishes. And he's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You only get two. You get a single comic book, and a series has to be that. Okay, that's all you get. One one single issue, and then the entire series.
2: The
0: entire series. You're not following series. me? That's no, what I'm doing. I'm following you in, entirely. But I was I was looking at it a little differently.
2: Oh, why well, are looking you looking at again? it like?
0: We have unlimited funds. We're Richard Branson. Okay. We can have whatever we want.
2: But Which we have to be able to go find it. to go buy? It? we got to be able to... Like, if if I tell you I want all the original Batmans, it's going to be a motherfucker well, to they're, find Well,
1: they're it. somewhere. They exist. You can, and, all right, yeah, you can get them. That's, that's where I was solving that problem with the genie. And since or, you have
0: Bruce Wayne money, you can send Alfred out to go find all those issues and bring them back.
2: See, I thought what you were going to say were in Paul's... Like backyard, I thought you were going to say we're in his basement and we unearth like this incredible comic book collection that was, you know, willed to him by his his great uncle that said, "I Paul, I want you to have these comic books and share them with your two podcast best friends." And that's where we get these books. I kind of like that scenario. Does it matter where
1: we get, or can we just open a door and it's like comic book land, and it's like uh in the Every comic book that was ever created.
0: Let's let's do that. Let's simplify. it. We have the keys to comic book land. Ah, yes, comic book land. All mint, all bagged and boarded. Whatever you want. Hmm.
1: You can get signed copies if you want. What? Comic
0: book palace. But signing a comic book diminishes its.
2: It's value. like the co- the comic book kingdom.
1: But would you personally Do like you like that alliteration comic book
2: better? Yeah, Kingdom. Yes. You want comic, comic book? book kingdom? Kingdom. So we open
1: it up and we walk through the Do you door know what the shitty version
2: book... of the comic book Kingdom is? What the comics dungeon? Um, it's like the
1: opposite. Yeah. That's where you go in the comic book Kingdom if you're bad and you roll, <laughs> roll your comic books up and put them in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, right. So oh, we go to the comic weird. book Kingdom, comic book. King is like, oh, you three, you're so
2: brave. <laughs> he has a, <laughs> a rolled-up comic book as his scepter. No,
0: that's that's what comics, what the, Dun- that's comic what the dungeon. That's what the comic Satan has. The is, comics' knaves. What is that's the that's is a rolled-up comic.
2: Book. What what is the scepter of the comics king? Oh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, okay,
1: right. I like that. Or you can have like just Aquaman's trident. You yeah. can do that. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh, you guys were so brave, and you you found your way to the comic book kingdom."
2: <laughs> Where is the door to the comic book kingdom located? It's,
1: in, it's behind Paul's. Uh, Why is everything in Paul's? Like a, because we're here. It's
2: it's
0: like a like a little tiny, like three inch tall Alice in Wonderland
1: door. Oh, ah. so we have
2: to squat because down because it's it go three. Oh. It's there? I can okay, I can right. fit in no problem. Yeah. You 2 <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come out with all kinds of comics, and you'll just be like, mm-hmm, "I can't get in there."
1: and we open it up and it's
2: glorious the comic book archive yeah i feel like th- there's this glowing like hallway of just shelves upon shelves that go for like a mile long that's how the comic book mm-hmm.
1: archive in the comic book kingdom is and that's where we are right now okay so,
2: with with unlimited gift now, cards now cards. that we don't
1: need gift cards I mean, don't in don't the comic money. book kingdom we don't need
0: currency that's the whole no problem. So we've, if you are we've won all the tests, the challenges, we made it there, comic book king.
2: So if you are granted admittance to the comic book kingdom, you get whatever you want from there.
1: Well, if you are proved true of heart and a true lover of comic books, well,
0: which see, is then what, I'm not going to get anything.
2: <laughs> we keep, that's not a rule. Okay, well, okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what if what if Paul decides he wants? The first appearance of Green Lantern, but I also want it. Does the comic book kingdom have multiple copies?
1: Yes, yes. It, has, it has doubles.
2: Not that it, it matters, because really, triples. who would want the For first one. For the
1: purpose of this well, story, it has triples, so that we can all have it. <laughs> so so Dominic is shit out of luck. <laughs> well, if he would have he been was here, not then admit, he could have made kingdom. it to the comic book kingdom. Right and
0: before we hit record, comic book king trashed every fourth double of everything.
1: <laughs> and we're gonna see Dominic We're like, it was amazing <laughs> We we walked through the little Alice in Wonderland Door and it was the comic book kingdom The comic book king gave us we,
0: scepters And he said,
1: dumb. fuck you We had to slay the dragon That spit like Four color fire at us
2: CMYK fire What
0: would the Comics dragon be?
2: I don't know, but the way you're describing it, I'm picturing Ronnie James Dio as the comic book king.
0: <laughs> no, I'm picturing traditional king.
2: Yeah, I think like King
0: Randor. Is yeah. The yeah, King Randor.
2: Randor. I was yeah. also picturing King Friday for some reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. That's what <laughs> I walk into. I don't want that. It's a too little. It's shitty. And, and it's clearly a pedophile.
1: I'm out was King Friday a
2: pedophile? The guy working him was? Was he uh, Mr. I mean, Rogers? I, I, I assume. No. Why are all puppet masters? Mr. Pedophiles? Rogers is like the nicest guy that ever lived. It Fuck wasn't people.
0: Mr. Rogers doing the puppeteering. Come yes on. it was. Puppet guys are creepy. I guess you gotta your it. It was Mr. Ro- Dude, somebody's It
2: was a sock puppet, it wasn't like the Muppets.
0: Muppets are less creepy than hand guys. Yeah, Muppets what are. What I'm saying creepy creepy is it
2: it wasn't a professional puppeteer, it was Mr. Rogers. Was he it? Wasn't I doing don't. Anything. I don't know. I don't know. Yes, he was. Well, it's not the comic kingdom. Did is a Tiger? The he did King Friday. He did whatever the that meow 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 thing. Yeah. Well, that wasn't that. I don't know what that was. Daniel the cat or whatever.
1: Yeah. It was creepy. Whatever it was.
2: But this isn't the comic kingdom.
0: The comic kingdom isn't where that fucking trolley went.
1: No, it's not. It's more like Alice in Wonderland. Or what was that called? The make believe.
0: The, the land, land make believe. Right. This is the land of comic books. Yes. Comic book kingdom. This is much
2: more real. <laughs>
0: it's much more real and, and less kids touching you. Right.
2: No, no, no. I, I refuse to allow you guys to say that Mr. Rogers was a pedophile. It's bullshit.
1: Well, We'll have to check the internet and find out if he was <laughs> or was That's slander around Pittsburgh, too. People could kill us for this. I take it all back. He didn't touch kids. Anyway, so we're in the comic book archive. Because we slayed the dragon, or whatever the fuck. The kingdom. The comic the, book the, kingdom. The ki- the king, but we're in the... Like, the archive uh, of the kingdom. The archive of the kingdom. And we can have any single issue, and then an entire series.
2: Okay, Does it, anybody
1: want to take this one? Yeah,
2: you do. What, what is the first single issue you go for? Huh.
1: I'm not ready for this. I took so long to, like, build this land up. I think that what I would want... Would be Amazing Fantasy 15.
2: Thank God they have more than one.
1: For those who don't know, first appearance of Spider Man. That's what I would go for if I get my any, any one issue. Same here. Paul? We make it a 3P? No.
2: You and your stupid, yeah. amazing fantasy make-believe fifteen. Fantasy. Fuck you. That's what I interpreted <clears throat> out of what he said.
0: Um, I'd, I'd take the first appearance of Hal Jordan.
2: What issue is that? Well, no. Whoa. Whoa! A fan? People I don't Lander think
1: so. A true fan would know which book he would want. Yeah, yeah. Said the comic thing. Right. That's
0: why I thought it was already established. Comic book dungeon. Write this guy right to the comic book dungeon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Vanish him.
0: (laughs) So, what do I get in the comic book dungeon? Um, Um, Great showcase number 22 from 1959. That's, That's what I would pick as my one single issue. And you guys want Amazing Fantasy 15 just because you're Spider Man fans, because that issue means something to both of you.
2: Yeah, big Spider Man guy here. I've read it. The
0: actual issue?
1: not in a a reprint collection.
2: I I've, I've read the reprint of it. I mean,
1: I've read the recolored digital one yeah. too. It's not the greatest book on earth. It's not, but it's just pretty cool to see. It is. It's history.
0: Yeah, it's It's history. comic book history. Sure the comic book game would approve.
2: I think so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't want something like detective or action comics or Fantastic Four, um, number one. Is that their first issue?
1: Yeah. Fantastic Four, no?
0: Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I've never collected comic books for the value. Like, I, I take care of my books. I bag them board them. I don't roll them up in a, in a tube. Because you know where you'll go. Right. Comics dungeon. But, like, I, I never collect anything just to, just to collect it. Like, I've always just, like, stories... And I think being such a big Hal Jordan fan, I would just like to go back and read that first issue because I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever read that even in a collection. I got the, um, I think they retold his origin in the eighties whenever they did Emerald Dawn, and that one I have collected. But the actual original, I don't think I've ever seen that. But I've never, never gone searching for it either, so that's on me. Yeah,
1: I'm sure it's reprinted somewhere. No, I'm fine, guaranteed.
0: But all those old issues, like, for me, they're so hard to read. They're so hard to get through. Like, even, um, it's just 80s stuff, so. I don't know if there's a window where if I go back far enough, stuff gets easier to read. Because I read Action Comics number one. And, uh, some old 40s detective comics issue. And they were actually easier for me to read than some of the 80s
1: stuff. I don't, I don't I've read why. Detective Comics number one on my iPad, and it was not as wordy as you would expect an old time comic book to be. I, I read the—I think it's
2: the second part of that—is like the Man Who Laughs or something. It's the origin of the Joker. Wait, wait—the first issue of Detective Comics didn't have Batman, right? Batman didn't appear until twenty-seven. Is it twenty-seven?
1: Whichever is Batman's a, first. Is appearance. that it? Whichever is Batman's first appearance, I'm not sure which one that is, but I've, I've read that before.
0: Detective 27. Is it 27? Okay.
1: That's one I read. But, um, what run would you guys...
2: Well, I was just gonna say about those single issues, I think it's just very cool to have the first appearance of a beloved character, um... As as you guys know, Savage Dragon is one of my all-time favorites. And um, believe it or not, Savage Dragon number one is not the first appearance of Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon first appeared in a comic book called Megaton Comics. Um, By image? No. No, this predates... This is like 19, early 80s. And um, it wasn't Malibu. Uh, he actually showed up in uh, Megaton number three, which I found years ago for probably about ten bucks at uh, New Dimension Comics, and I was so happy and excited that I found it. And, and I also got Megaton number one, which I believe, outside of like a fanzine, was like Eric Larson's first professional work. So I also have that being a big fan of his although i picked up the new savage dragon this week and thumbed through it and holy shit it's like could does this guy phone it in or what do you think happens to artists
1: that after a while they just kind of lose it
2: i i think they lose their their passion a little bit to create like I I think that they kind of lose what they had to say in the first place. Eventually you say everything you had to and then you kind of go into autopilot a little bit and it's just kind of like repetition, you know? Like like,
0: big corporations that get their fan base and then they go on autopilot.
2: Or
1: Audible Pilot. Yeah, Audible Pilot. Zinger.
2: Um, With Eric Larson in particular, I feel like his art has just degraded into complete sloppy just slop sloppy slop sloppy slop i mean it it's it's just so sloppy there's no other way i can put it it's his it's so sketchy it's it's like he he drew the entire issue on napkins you know with like a Felt tip marker. Yeah, there's just no precision to it. Do you think, like, and, I know
1: he inks his own work. Do you think that another inker going over his lines would help him out? Oh
2: uh, yeah, for sure. Because I feel like the inking is kind of like what really finishes the, off the artwork and gives it that that polish. And I feel like his pencil. Basically, the way I look at it is, his pencils are so incredibly loose that his inking is kind of what his pencils should be. And then there needs to be that that next step of kind of like refinement that goes over that. But, you know, he's so hell-bent on, it's it's all me, I gotta do it. And and he has always had this um, desire to to keep doing Savage Dragon. There was uh, way, way, way back in the early days, he had always said, you know, he wants to do at least 300 issues. He wants to outdo... Dave Sim did on uh, Cerebus Cerebus. the Aardvark character and um, I'm pretty sure that he'll accomplish that assuming he you know stays alive which I'm pretty sure he will I don't think he's any older than his late 40s and or maybe he's in his 50s I don't know do you have that in Thailand? Savage Dragon? Yeah. yeah yeah we're up to 195 now that just came out um and and i was looking at it and they've savage dragon's not even the main character anymore it's transitioned to his son which larson had always hinted at right because the son was born in the comic book and this all takes place in real time so the the son is now like uh, a teenager and and you know, old enough to, to carry the book, at least in Larson's opinion, not in mine. Savage Dragon has since lost his superpowers. He's vulnerable now. And the Sun has the powers. And um, when the Sun transitioned into the main character about two or three issues ago, they also changed the logo, which is nothing more than like a varsity-looking font. It's not even a logo, which I despise. I miss the old, real, actual logo treatment. Um, I, I thought, man, maybe this would be a good time to jump off the book because I, I don't enjoy it anymore. It's it's simply gotten to the point where it is an obligation to me to buy. Um,
0: well, you're up to 190 if he's shooting for 300. You may as well hang in there.
2: Yeah, r- really? I mean, I, you're right. I probably should. And, and I think
0: when that final issue comes out, both of you are going to breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs>
1: Thank God it's over. I, I
2: don't think... That There's, is a
1: terrible logo. It is just Varsity with, like, a thick white outline. Yeah, it,
2: it's really shit. bad. I, I mean, and, and I think Larson designed that, whereas I think Chris Eliopoulos designed the old logo, the phenomenal comic book letterer, second only to uh, Tom Orskowski or whatever his name is. Of uh, I think he's actually lettering Savage Dragon now. Um, that's a deep cut, Matt. That's what, they, <laughs> that's
1: what they like to call in the business... <laughs> a deep cut.
2: <laughs> but yeah, sadly um, sadly the book just I I don't know if it can ever get back to any any kind of prominence and and I kind of yeah, I don't know what the sales are like on it. Uh but they can't be good. I mean,
1: it, if a die hard Savage Dragon fan like yourself cover up his tattoo, his Savage Dragon tattoo, then I can't imagine what the other fans are like. So what's it going to take for Image to be like, alright,
0: you're done?
2: No, Image can't can't do it. I Eric think. Larson is the president of Image Comics. Um, nothing. This This book will come out as long as he wants it to. As long as it doesn't cost him money. Because I think at some point if it's costing him money... Which kind of raises the question, well, how much is it really making? How many is it selling? Um, it seems like it's a labor of love at this point. Absolutely. There's no question. Um, his stories and obvious uh, adoration of Jack Kirby and the stories are are geared toward the Jack Kirby style more and more all the time. It's It's definitely becoming more and more and more self-indulgent. And you know, as I get older and I can identify that as opposed to whenever I was an impressionable 12-year-old. Um, that, and and it's completely lost its sense of, it's right there in the title, Savage. I I look at it and I just see these ridiculous brawls that don't have any weight to them. You know, they're all fluff and no substance. And, um, you know, it's it's just such a shame. Now, there are the occasional, you know, when they, when they hit in the comic book, when you know things are kind of clicking, but it, it's more often that they're not. Sorry to talk about Savage Dragon so much. I don't really know. Oh, we're, so I have the first. But that Savage that's, Dragon. But that's a the complete run. You already own that.
1: So by going into the comic kingdom and getting the complete run, you'll just be doubling your efforts. Right. So Is I'm not going to do that.
2: Series that you'd like to get. Well, you know. I was very proud of the fact that I used to own the entire run of The Walking Dead. Um, that was easily my most valuable comic book series. you know that, The first issue was easily my most valuable comic book. And um, two years ago, um, I decided to go ahead and put it on eBay and sell the first 24 issues of it. So I still own 25 through 100. Until I decided to go all digital with it, but um, I decided to sell them, and I think I made about 2,700 bucks, somewhere in that ballpark. And I used that money to actually pay for um, my my right arm tattoo. And for the most part, I don't regret it because I really like the tattoo.
1: For the folks at home, why don't you describe the tattoo? bunch of big penises on your arm—is yeah. that right?
2: Yeah, connected to Paul's face.
1: That's it's, a lovely version of Paul's face. With some lightsabers. He's, he's just drinking. What is um, that going in his mouth? That he's drinking. It's, it's milk. It's milk. It's okay. a
2: it's a biomech uh, sleeve with um, Star Wars elements kind of strewn about. So it has the um, the Rebel Alliance symbol. Uh, kind of made out of crystal. It's got three lightsabers running up the back of my arm, and then the, the cap at the shoulder is the um, Stormtrooper helmet. A um, little bit Sarlacc Pit-inspired, but kind of with a biomech sort of look to it. Um, I think it looks good. Um, I, I think it looks great, actually. I'm very, very happy with what the artist did, and, and I don't regret selling the, the issues, pretty much. But pretty every awesome. once every once in a while, like right now when we're talking about comics, I'm like, man, that was pretty awesome. That that like I kind of got in at the ground floor, and I was a big Walking Dead fan right from the very first issue, and um, you know I I collected all of them and I had them all, and that's pretty cool. So part of me, if I could get at the Comics Kingdom, the actual twenty four issues that i sold the the actual ones that i sold if i could get those back somehow i would do that and there is a way but
1: unfortunately the comic king would say to you matt that since you had this and you gave it away you're going to have to give up that arm would you still (laughs) would you still do it not just the tattoo (laughs) the (laughs) entire arm (laughs) i will take your arm
0: and we put it on display. A, we pay a high price in the comic kingdom.
2: How would I turn the pages with one arm? That is your problem, young man. <laughs> <cat. laughs> um so if I, okay, if I can't get those 24, years, I well, think I can't. Just give up your arm, goddammit.
0: That's not a stipulation. That's what he wants, that's what he gets. It, the comic kingdom is a fun place. It's uh. not comic's dungeon <laughs> where he'd have to give up his arm for something like countdown. <laughs>
2: Um, if can I pick a runner up? Yes, you can. My my runner up if 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 at the Comics Kingdom they somehow can't track down those 24 issues. Yeah, my go- 24 the issues. the Comics Kingdom has everything. It's so
1: magical.
2: If it's they magic, can't get Matt.
0: them, it's magic. They can get them. Well, They're they, there, they right? were, I'm looking uh, at them right now.
2: They went some went we're to there. Detroit, some went to to Milwaukee or something. Anyway, all
0: right, you did something spectacular. In the quest leading to the comic book kingdom, you get two runs or series. Walking Dead's the first one. Okay, what's the other? My
2: Walking Dead's. The other one's probably going to be the uh, the entire Stanley run on Spider Man.
1: That's a good choice.
2: Um, I any particular reason?
1: Just you love the character. Love the
2: character, and I love those old school style like comic book covers where, uh, you know, the Spider-Man would be saying something or thinking something in a thought balloon, and they were, it just, like, told the story on a cover. It wasn't just some lame-ass pin-up that covers are these days. So, like, just having all those individually and looking at each issue all by itself would be pretty fucking amazing, Um, no pun intended. Yeah, Um, I think it would
0: be pretty
1: neat going back
0: and
1: looking through all that old stuff.
2: And you would get
1: a lot of bang for your buck, because in the comic book kingdom, you'll be granted the weird, like, renumbered versions and all the JMS stuff, all the stuff that has Amazing Spider-Man. No. Oh! Not hmm. uh, just the Stan Lee books. That's all you want? You can get all of it, though. They'll give it to you. You don't want that stuff. Um,
0: Perfilating that dragon on the way to the comic? Book I
2: mean, Kingdom. I guess I'll take the whole run. But what I really care about is the Stanley okay. ones. Um, you know, the, both the Stanley and Steve Ditko, all the way into John Romita Senior. Um, that would be pretty awesome. It's a good choice, hmm.
1: Paul. It's your turn up at the archives in the comic treasury. For-
0: I would take the entire Green Lantern series up until the end of Jeff Johns' run, and then I would stop. Because I'm sure there's some bad stuff in there, but I haven't read it yet, so I don't know any better. But I know everything since Jeff Johns left has been garbage, so I, I'm not going to take those. Favorite character: Green
1: Lantern.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a ton of gems in there since '59. And, you know, there's the big stories, you know, but I'm sure there's a lot of really good stuff, just in one throw-off issues that everyone forgets about, that I'd love to be able to stumble across just sitting down and reading through, you know, like, 50 years of Green Lantern.
1: A lot of bang for, for your choice. I was going to say Buck, but... Yeah, and you
0: get, the right whole, you get the whole saga, the entire thing. You get Hal Jordan... The Rise, you get John Stewart, Guy Gardner, you get Hal going bad, turning into Parallax. Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner comes in, you get a little bit of everything. Why going. is he
2: called Guy Gardner?
0: Because comical creators love alliteration. That's why we're in the comical kingdom and not comical palace.
2: Why did he not do any gardening?
0: Matt, you're gonna get bumped off the podcast again if you
2: keep that up. Just asking. I always thought it was a terrible name. It is a bad name. He is
1: a guy. That's well, but never a gardener. didn't have a green thumb.
2: It's actually did. different. Oh maybe he did. A, a gar- that's just it. He wore his ring on his thumb. A gardener. That's
0: it? A gardener technically has an extra syllable. Guy Gardner is
1: G A R D N E R. I know. If we were being technical. So Garden that doesn't that's fit into the like, ring The ring
2: that's his birth name
1: Garden Gardner. Gardener.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of a weird name. Like I always it wanted weird. it to be Garter. I wanted it to
1: be little gardener. Guy Garter.
2: Guy. Garter I guess Gar- Guy Garter sounds bad too. What about Guy Carter. No. And that horrible bowl cut. It was awful, but they've changed it recently. It's yeah, more of the. And spike
0: now too. it's back to being shitty again. Is it the bowl cut again? No. Now, it, now he looks like a fucking biker. It's all long. He's got the big handlebar mustache. Oh. Because now he's Red Lantern. Guy Gardner. Because once Jeff Johns was like, I just set the precedent for how good Green Lantern and its entire universe can be. What are you going to follow that up, DC? With And DC was like, Garbage. I'm going to bring in all these fucking losers, put them on this book, and they're going to flush every issue down the toilet monthly. And you're going to buy every issue.
1: And you are buying every issue. What's, what's it going to take for you to I'm already, drop Green um, Lantern? Um,
0: well, I never got... Red Lanterns. Oh, I got the first... I think the first two issues are Red Lanterns, and I was
2: out. Um, I I don't know if this is going to open up a big can of worms and and lead to a much bigger discussion, but have any of you guys heard any of the rumors that DC's going to be going back to old continuity? I haven't heard that. No,
1: I haven't heard that either. What? what,
2: uh, Now, these are only rumors that I've heard in comic shops, okay, so take it with a big fat grain of salt, but apparently with Future's End kind of being this time travel thing and, and has the ability to kind of um, alter time or reality as we know it, um, It indications are that maybe DC's looking at reverting back to the old timeline or, or somehow basically having another crisis and i don't know if they're going to mesh things or leave everything status quo or go back to what it Until was before we
0: address that i stopped getting red lanterns right away and i recently stopped getting new guardians because it's bad uh green lantern if it wasn't green lantern proper i think i'd have dropped it already but since it's the only place i get hal jordan
1: i keep getting it
0: but Green Lantern Corps has been the only good Green Lantern book consistently yeah. since the New 52 launched. That's understandable. I'm
1: glad that you dropped it, man. It's tough to punish yourself. I'm at a point
0: right now um, where if if I look at the pull list for the week and some book makes me go, ugh, it's out. Yeah. No question. Um, in regard to DC going back to the, old, to the old continuity, they left that trap door open for themselves with Flashpoint because the way we got here was through... Uh, you know, time travel, changing the past, mishap, and now all of a sudden we're in the new 52 with that. So, I mean, it's easy to you have Pandora. You know, the character that was yeah, yeah. somewhat responsible. She's around, so they gave themselves legitimate story ideas that they can use to take us back to the old stuff, which I would love to see them do. The old shit was so
2: much
1: better, and they kind of have a precedent for. You know, jumping ahead and jumping backwards with One Year
2: Later, and... I just... I don't see them not allowing themselves to celebrate Action Comics 1000. When
1: would that be coming up? Is that in a couple years? Is that... My
2: guess would be at the end of Future's End. So in about a year. That's my guess. It's a shame that they do
1: that kind of stuff, and they feel the... Not just DC, Marvel is guilty of this too Much more guilty actually Of going along with the bandwagoning gimmicks Of renumbering and cancelling series I don't understand the whole Well, new readers, they, they like to see a number one And it's a good jumping on point and all that stuff We live in an age where you can catch yourself up to things where very quickly, mm-hmm. it's all accessible You don't need to have a jumping on point At least I don't think so Paul said it before. I think you've said it before, Matt. If you're going to read comic books, you're going to read comic books. You don't need a good jumping on point.
2: Yeah, if if you want in,
0: you're going to figure it out. Nothing is so complex. And,
2: and there's only one jumping on point. You know what I mean? Like, the new 52 now is several years old, and if you want in, that jumping on point has passed. Like... Chances are you're not going to go back and start 30 issues ago. You're going to start at issue number 31 or whatever it happens to be.
0: Yeah, all those all those original books are up to 32 now. Yeah. So that's you know 32 issues you're going to have to go back and get if you're going to get the entire story.
1: I mean, like you know, I th- it was we jumped in on Spider-Man, and Spider-Man number 12. I right. think I started reading X-Men books with. You know, I, I bought X Factor number sixty-eight or something like and that, that.
0: Spider-Man number twelve was really—it was the Spider-Man. What?
1: Com- I mean, in the oh grand yeah, scheme yeah, yeah. In the grand scheme everything, everything, who, who knows? Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah, and it was even in the sense of like where it was in the Spider-Man framework of that title. It was the last part of a five-part series, but I didn't give a shit. I was excited. I wanted to read a comic book. It was right there. Look, the cover looked good. I picked it up. I became a comic book fan. It's that easy for me. Unearthing all that, all that
0: history, was part of the fun of it. Yeah, uh, I've mentioned before with Hal Jordan when I started reading, he was dead. Yeah. So, but you'd still see his name, you know, in hushed tones of the greatest Green Lantern. But then he went bad. So the whole time I'm reading, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And then you know, you go back, you do the research, and then maybe he pops up. And some older issue you pick up and like, oh shit, that's this guy. And you start putting all these little pieces together and it made the whole reading experience for me a lot more fun. Yeah. So Ian, what, what full run or series would you buy?
1: I would, well I wouldn't buy it because I'd be in the comic book kingdom. And I've been granted access by the comic book king. And I would go and I'd Start at the and what A's. And do, what
0: does he say when it's your turn? Um, I don't...
1: Well, you were kind of just along for the ride on this quest. You didn't <laughs> suck that dragon off like Matt did, or... So you only get one series. You only get one there or... Yeah. Um, so I'd start at the A's, and I'd walk all the way down to the X's. And I would then go to the U's, because I'd want Uncanny X-Men. <laughs> i'd get the full run of uncanny x-men starting with the uh stanley stuff going through uh you know a lot of great creators on x-men one of my favorite or my favorite team book get some neil adams stuff you get the chris claremont john byrne all the way through to jim lee and um i'd i'd get that that would be the um series that i would want because there would be so much so much rich history there. So many different people have steered the X titles through the years. A lot of the time it was Chris Claremont, but there still were other great artists that were along for the ride as well. And a lot of my favorite ones, Mark Silvestri, Jim Lee, as I mentioned before. Um, the Ku- the Kuberts were on there, I think, sorted at the end of the Uncanny uh, X-Men that I was following in the, nineties. Uh, so that would be the, the series that I would You know, Those, are,
0: those old Stanley uncanny X-Men would be cool to go back and read. Cause I read some of the old Stanley Spider-Man stuff, but I've never read any of the old Stanley X-Men stuff. And even more so than Fantastic Four, I'd, oh, I'm checking those out.
1: Yeah, I think it would be an interesting place. Uh, the X-Men have changed so many times since that original version and uh, I'd like to see those those old, um, the old original class and the stuff that they went through as well as fighting the original versions of the Brotherhood and fighting Magneto when he wasn't a part of the X-Men or or the headmaster of the X-Men when it was just a simple villain that they came up against. And reading the, you know, Wolverine getting introduced into the X-Men and seeing some of the the first appearance of Jubilee. Jesus.
0: Why was that not your single issue? Because I own that one.
1: <laughs> do you
2: really? I do really. What issue was it? She was... It's
1: I, don't, I don't know the issue number, but I remember that she was at the mall, and that's where they found it Did her. you
2: go and... I
1: went out and found it and bought it. And yes. so paid extra for it. Uncanny X-Men I didn't,
0: 244. Yeah. May 89. Yeah. Claremont Silvestri. Yep.
2: wonder what it's going for these days. Uh, negative dollars. So, Paul. Matt. Do you have anything else to add?
0: Um, Matt, you said you had, um, The Walking Deads, but now they're gone. Is there any full collection other than Savage Dragon that you have currently that you're really happy to have?
2: Um... Well, I, I had the entire run of um, Ultimate Spider-Man until the Miles Morales era, um, including the white variant number one <laughs> cover, uh, which was pretty cool. That was one of the perks of working at a hobby shop when that came out. Um, I have the entire run of Invincible, the other great uh, Robert Kirkman Series, although I am embarrassingly behind on that one.
0: I didn't even know you were still getting that.
2: I'm still getting it. One of these days. One of these days. (laughs) Um, Because it was so good. But what happened was, you know, you you fall back an issue, and then you're back two issues. Next thing you know, like, you're so far behind, it feels insurmountable. Um, But it's so good. It's so, I think, worth probably going back and reading it because... Robert Kirkman, really is one of my favorite writers in comic books, if not my favorite writer in comic books. Because I just like his style, you know, his dialogue is is real, and it gets right to the point, and um, it's not overly wordy. And I think that I would be well to, I would do well to go ahead and and read
0: those, um, those issues. So yeah, I I, I borrowed the first. uh, from you. Yeah. And rather enjoy them. Yeah. And any complete collections that you have that you're happy about?
1: <sighs> complete collections. Uh... Boy, oh boy. I don't have many complete collections. If any, really, now that I think about it. Um, a lot of the stuff that I collected was, I still started midstream with, you know, like Amazing Spider-Man yeah. on the X-Men. I think I may have the entirety of Astonishing X-Men. Hmm. And that's a really quality book by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy. It's a good run. Um, so I, I think if I, if I own any complete series that I'm really proud of, that would be the one complete series. But I don't
2: have many.
1: I've, um,
0: I've gone into collecting hardbacks of stuff that I
2: really like.
0: So, I have the whole Preacher series. I'm a couple trades away from having all the Why the Last Man hardbacks. Uh, I have all of the Jeff Johns Green Lantern run in hardback and in singles. Um, all the Hellboy trades, all the VPRD trades. All of um, Ultimate Spider-Man, up until Miles Morales.
1: I uh, I just thought of one that um, kind of one that that doesn't always come up often. I know that you probably have this whole thing, the Dreamwave Transformers series. Oh shit! Yeah. I, I have the complete series of that, and for a those are really good looking books. A number of years. Those were really good books. Period. That was my favorite comic book for probably as long as I lost it lasted. Yeah. Pat yeah. Lee on artwork. Pat Lee on artwork. He might. Did he, he might, even write it?
2: I'm, is he still alive? I think he got
1: sued into his grave. Yeah, it got or something. it got cut.
0: Dreamwave went under, and um, like the book just stopped. We didn't get a final issue. We didn't. Get we got a cliffhanger with the Megatron
1: coming. What back happened? From the to the dead or something we? like that? Um, I'm really not sure. I think he drew Iron Man for Marvel for a while. Okay. Seems and, like a good fit for him. Yeah, he was great at drawing anything mechanical, but all his people were very oh. anime inspired. His
0: people were terrible.
1: But. That served Transformers well because the most boring thing about a Transformer story is the humans. Yeah. So Pat Lee stayed away from that and that book was really, I mean, it was it was the one of the best versions of the Transformers that I've ever experienced. I mean it stayed true to the cartoon, but it built upon that foundation. And I'd recommend that to people that aren't into Transformers at all, um, that just like comic books.
0: What was nice about about that run was that it focused on the Generation 1 characters. Because I think a lot of the reason why I've stayed away from a lot of the newer traits, like More Than Meets the Eye and I guess the IDW stuff that's coming out, is because I feel like every time I see a cover, like Cyclonus is on it, or Galvatron.
1: Or a new Transformer that they just created for the series that I have no attachment
0: to. Some movie character, or like, Headmaster, and like I don't give a shit about those characters, and I understand that there is full continuity. They wrap like the Beast Wars characters, like, all that is part of Transformers mythology. But that's, and that's not cool. But that's, that's not, not what, what, I'm what I love. Yeah, like I want to go back and you know see those Generation One characters, and I don't think there's a book out right now that that would give me that. I think this is probably a good place to cut it. Um, I think there's some noises out in the dark. That are probably making us a little nervous. Maybe a turkey. Maybe
1: a wolf. Not really sure. Possibly a dog. Probably more more likely a dog. Probably a turkey. Not a turkey wolf. <laughs> the turkey oh, well, wolf. Oh, we're in the cool. comics. Game, so. <laughs> we
0: are we're and American werewolf in
1: the, and the comics. Game.
0: So known for its turkey wolves. <laughs> going to wrap it up here. My name is Paul McKinsey.
1: Ian Sharpley. Matt Casau. We'll see you next week.
2: bitchy fucking attitude about this. That's what I would like to say.